Can the Vikings, for the first time in history, beat Russell Wilson? We're breaking down the Seahawks here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and free on all platforms. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and the show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Also want to point you to the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, which is a daily podcast just like this one on the NFL Draft. If you are just itching one of those draft nick people and you want to get a head start on the draft, go check that out, Ryan. Tracy's got the analytics. Eric Crocker, former NFL pro, he's got the scouting for you. Go check that out anywhere you find your favorite shows, including YouTube. Of course, we've been on video here for a couple of weeks. We're going to be busting out the visual aids in this one as well. So uh, if you can, I recommend you watch on YouTube. But if not, I'll be as descriptive as possible when that kind of thing happens. First order of business as we start this episode of Locked On Vikings, the injury report for Thursday. I was really keen to see if Anthony Barr practiced again or if testing out that knee flared up again and he had to be shut down for who knows how long. Not the case. He practiced again, only still on a limited basis, and that's okay, Um, but I'm feeling a lot better about his chances of playing in this game on Sunday because uh, he made it two days in a row of practice. I think the second day is more important to see than the first day. Um, Everything else is the same. Derisaw limited, uh, Bashad Breland upgraded to full, and Eric Kendricks upgraded to full. Dalvin Cook still a DNP. Obviously, that'll be kind of uh, rough if he misses. Everson Griffin still limited with that concussion, and uh, Patrick Peterson still has a toe. The other order of business we got to get to is the bold predictions. I'm going to start the episode with the bold predictions this time so we can just talk scheme and stuff uh, at the end. Um, But we, guys, we got one. We did it. We got one. That is right. Kyle Slavey last week predicted that Kirk Cousins would have more rushing yards than Kyler Murray on the weekend. And it was true. Kirk Cousins, 35 yards. Kyler Murray, 31 yards. My guy did it. First time we did this all last year. Nobody got a single one. Week two, we already got one. So congratulations, Kyle Slavey. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Riley Osborne Hudson said Wyatt Davis makes an appearance. We didn't get there. The guards had a reasonable day. Uh, Riley Swanson said Dantzler plays a visibly great game on specials, recovering a muffed punt and making multiple tackles, effects, effectively putting him back in Zimmer's good graces. You, you definitely got that in spirit. Dantzler came back in the game. He played pretty well. The coaches seem a lot happier with him. So we got that. Uh, David Belash said Vikings O-line has zero penalties and allows zero sacks. We didn't quite get the penalties. And we had, I think that counts as a sack, the third down that was like a fumble that he then recovered himself. I believe that counts as a sack as well. So not quite, but a reasonable day. John Knox said two returns of some kind for touchdowns that will determine the winning team. Uh, There was only one return touchdown. It was the Nick Vigil pick six. And unfortunately, that team did not win. And Christopher Allen said Hunter is put in as a running back in a goal line situation, gets the handoff and scores and then doesn't again on the two point conversion. Loved the spice on that one. Didn't quite get there. So we got six more here for week three excited to share them with you the first one comes from drew malwald what's going on drew buddy uh he says either lockett or metcalf will have zero 
catches. Shut one of those guys out is pretty bold, um, especially with the, the state of the secondary. That would be pretty insane. I'll talk a little bit about how I, I think you have to handle them. Um, and it's definitely not limiting them to zero catches. I'm definitely into encouraging dinks and dunks and limiting the deep stuff with those guys. Uh, Alessandro Cosi says, Dalvin Tomlinson pick six. Love it. That would be pretty sick. Get like a Linval Joseph kind of thing. A couple people said Michael Pierce as well. Uh, but we got a, a lot of Michael Pierce ones in. So I, I'll do a Dalvin Tomlinson one this time. Chris says, I think this was my favorite. He says, this game is boring. Uh, no plays over 20 yards, one turnover, one turnover, no missed kicks. Uh, we probably are all familiar with the old adage that the Seahawks are incapable of playing in a normal game. And so are the Vikings. I mean, look at the last few games of theirs. They are incapable of playing in a game that is not like somehow remarkable. So no turnovers, no plays over 20 yards, no missed kicks feels nigh impossible, but it is indeed plausible. So we're putting it in traumatized twins fan. My guy, I am so sorry. Jefferson says Jefferson and DK have the exact same number of receiving yards. Um, I don't know what that would imply about either offense because it could be a high number or a low number or a medium number, but I love the quirkiness of it. So let's go exact same number of receiving yards. Uh, it is certainly not probable, but it is possible. And anonymous source says all of the points for both teams come in the third quarter. I don't know what that would say about the game. It would say something. Uh, but it, I, I guess that would be the exact kind of like weird and wacky nonsense that would happen in a Vikings Seahawks game. And the final one comes from Jordan Barrett, who said all five starting offensive linemen for the Vikings will have over a PFF grade of 70 or higher. I think this is the one that has the highest chance to cash because PFF grades on O-line, I, I find them unpredictable. I find myself disagreeing with them a lot even too. Um, and But it's also pretty bold because the, the like PFF is really, really harsh on the style of center that Garrett Bradbury is. He's, they're really, I mean, Rashad Hill is probably going to be in the game really hard to see him getting a high pff grade you got ezra cleveland and Oli udo too who i think are going to be weak to weak propositions and sometimes they can get mean to to brian o'neill as well even in games that he plays well let alone the idea that like brian o'neill is not perfect he could just have a genuinely bad game and pff could measure that so i, I could it's definitely bold to call that for all five but i could see it happening uh, and it all should be fun. Um, I, but I want to talk more schematically, and I want to try to describe the Seahawks and how I would attack the Seahawks. I want to talk strategy a little bit here. I always try to approach these things like what I would suggest if I were in the room. Um, so let's kind of go through that exercise. Um, but speaking of exercise, if you're trying to lose or maintain weight, the hardest thing in the world is when you get a craving for something sweet, maybe something chocolatey, and you want to fall off the wagon. The solution to that is Built Bar. Built Bar's a protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar. It's got 17 grams of protein, like four grams of sugar, uh, four grams of carbs, and it won't knock you off the wagon. It's even keto-friendly if you're doing that. And the flavors are delicious, all covered in 100% chocolate, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate mint, chocolate raspberry, cookies and cream, all sorts of delicious stuff. They have nine main series flavors, plus a few more that come in every once in a while uh, at the website, which is built.com. So head on over to built.com. I like the sampler that gets you two of each of their nine main series flavors. Try what you like. Um, and then at checkout, enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You get 15% off of your next order. That is promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. So I want to start with the elephant in the room, which is Russell Wilson. Uh, when it comes to the Seahawks, the Vikings have never beaten Russell Wilson in a game. Going all the way back to when he was drafted in 2012, the Vikings are, I think, like 0-7 against the Seahawks in Russell Wilson's time there. It is time we beat Russell Wilson for once. So Russell Wilson, uh, an important thing with him is to contain him. 
Um, the Vikings, I don't think they made much of an effort to contain Kyler Murray. Mike Zimmer before that game said, well, containing him's kind of impossible and we're going to take a different strategy, basically. And I think that strategy was just running right at him with a bunch of blitzers and hoping he'd get home and get a bunch of sacks. And that's how he broke some plays and beat you. Russell Wilson, I think you can play contain against him, um, and, and try to cover because of the way the Seahawks offense works, um, containing him is always huge you don't want to make it schoolyard they're much better schoolyard than i think uh, or it's harder at least to stop them when they're being schoolyard than during the like actual planned motion of the play but also they love to send like two deep receivers and and if you can cover those two guys deep that's a lot easier to cover for a while so playing contained in a more conservative uh pass rush strategy might give russell wilson more time but it also might um you know more reliably get to him and you might be able to kind of survive that much longer just because of the offense that the Seahawks always play. Now, they have a new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, and he's a McVay guy. He's a McVay disciple. Try to get your the next McVay type. Um, and so it, you would think it was more of a wide zone, but it, it really and, and Corbin Smith said, you know, he thinks it's a Schottenheimer offense. It really looks like a Schottenheimer offense, which is kind of wild because um, it was supposed to be the stylistically such a different person. And. To boot, you know, Russell Wilson, I think he's going into his ninth season. He's not running as much as he did, you know, back in 2015, 2016, um, you know, their 2013 Super Bowl year. He's not running around as much as they used to. Players have even acknowledged that, so you don't have to take my word on it. Um, but I think he still works that pocket really, really well, where you have to be very careful about your lanes and, and about constructing your uh, your pass rushes in a way that doesn't give him a lane to escape. You know, kind of get everybody around and then close them all in and just you need the walls of the pocket to close in on Russell Wilson in an inescapable way so that he can't get outside the pocket, run around and do some miracle play on you. We saw enough of that. Um, but elsewhere on their uh, offense, one tendency that I notice, at least in the little amount of tape that we have on the Shane Waldron Seahawks, is um, that Russell Wilson is really content to take a small gain if the defense gives him one, and you can take advantage of that. So what I would advocate in the room is for the corners to play off coverage a little bit more. A, because you got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Those are scary deep threats, and playing them in off coverage helps against to, to guard against the deep stuff. And offenses know this, and so they will say, okay, if you're going to play eight yards off, we'll you know run a seven-yard hitch and take our free seven yards, right? And offenses are happy and content to take that. Um, and I'll take that over a deep pass too. So, you know, offense, defense can kind of agree. Eventually, one of those plays won't work. You can't make an entire offense out of that. So over the course of the entire game, that can work to your advantage, even though they're all like positive EPA plays for the offense kind of individually over the course of the game that can work to your advantage because there isn't some crazy gigantic EPA play that maybe would have happened on one of those plays instead if you had pr played press and, you know, gotten dusted by a release off the line. So I would say play off and what will happen is Russell Wilson will take a quick out or what's what I call like a now route, which you just take the ball in a shotgun usually and you just stand up, turn it and throw it right now. That's why it's called a now route. Um, and the Vikings kind of do this too. So they're familiar with the idea. And I, I think you can kind of commit to you can't do anything deep. You have to beat us dinking and dunking and being this really sound West Coast offense. I don't think the Seahawks have that much consistency in them. They just kind of never have. And then there is their run game. And I'm going to be honest, I don't really get their run game. It, I don't really, I can't really find the strategy of what they're doing. It seems like it's just zone blocking, but it's not zone blocking in the way the Vikings do it or the way the 49ers do it. 
um, or the way even like the Cardinals did it last week to us. It's not zone blocking that's meant to set up all these really favorable angles and all these reach blocks and, you know, pinning and pulling and moving guys around and kind of getting people to spots very quickly and using their athleticism. Um, it's just kind of vanilla zone blocking. If there's a guy in front of you, take him. If not, go to get to a linebacker. And that's kind of it. They're not even really comboing that much. Um, so it, it feels like the Seahawks are asking their run blockers to be the sum of their parts and the sum of their parts only, instead of moving things around to make them more than the sum of their parts. And so I remember seeing that. I remember thinking that looks like kind of vanilla. And I think that really, really hurt them in the game against the Titans. You know, the Titans made this great comeback against the Seahawks forced overtime and then went and um, beat them in overtime. And I think the Seahawks had trouble salting that game away because their run game had a lot of stops in it because it was just kind of vanilla and they don't have the horses to hold up one-on-one against guys like Jeffrey Simmons when they're just asking them to beat that guy one-on-one or just, you know, straight up double team him. And then, you know, Harold Landry beat them or something. And I think the Vikings on defensive line have the horses to kind of achieve a similar effect. Um, so I don't know exactly what their run game is supposed to be. It feels like a run game that thinks it has better players than it does. Um, they do a little bit of motion to be fair. They have some like jet motion sometimes pre-snap motion, which can help stress people's gaps and stress their leverages. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just don't think that they have the horses for that, but Hey, Shane Waldron's the one of the NFL job, not me. So what do I know? Right. Um, one interesting thing I, I want to mention Andre Patterson in a presser. Um, he asked about here. He was asked by Arif San about, um, the, one gap, two gap kind of hybrid stuff the Vikings are doing. One gapping and two gapping when it comes to defensive line is what it sounds like. Are you covering one gap against the run or are you kind of covering a a person like straight dead on and covering the gap on either side of him, covering two gaps? Um, And Andre Patterson said, we do not two gap. We only one gap, which is weird because on the tape, it sure looks like guys are two gapping. But he said, you know, sometimes we will line a guy up head up against an offensive lineman. We'll line the defensive lineman up directly against the offensive lineman. And then he still is responsible for one gap, but we're doing that to make the angle favorable as kind of part of a larger plan. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, And I'm going to kind of keep an eye out for that when I'm watching this particular game back on uh, kind of the gap techniques that these defensive linemen use and how, you know, if they look like they're two gapping or did Andre Patterson just lie to the media, which he has every reason in the world to do when another team's trying to prepare for him, right? So I I do want to talk about the Seahawks defense as well. Uh, But first, uh, a quick reminder to all of you, make your pick in the survivor pool if you're in the survivor pool. If you lost the link or whatever, just go to runyourpool.com and uh, enter the login info that you entered when you first signed up. It'll be right there. Um, and you, we're doing our survivor pool through Run Your Pool. We've had, I think, like 30 people get out because they didn't make a pick. So please make your pick. Um, if you want to start a pool of your own, it's certainly not too late. The first two weeks, call them gimmies and go to run your pool and make a survivor pool. They have pick them. They have squares. They have margin. They have confidence pools, 33 and more, and they have all kinds of customizable settings. So you can make it your own. It's not one size fits all. It's what's fun for you. You can use these kinds of pools to connect with people in your family and uh, connect with your coworkers. Just have something fun to go on at the office, you know, help the days go by. Um, Go to runyourpool.com and set it all up. 
If you check them out today, you get $10 off at runyourpool.com slash locked on, or you can use promo code locked on at checkout, which is all one word. Anywhere, everywhere in the world, Run Your Pool helps friends and colleagues compete. Don't miss out. The NFL season is off to an exciting start and go to runyourpool.com slash locked on and have your pool up and running in minutes. Runyourpool.com slash locked on. I also want to talk to you about a good old gramble. I told you all. Carolina minus 7.5, that one covered. I mean, come on, who's betting on Davis Mills out there? Show yourselves. Uh, if you want to get in on some bets, maybe you lost that Texans bet and you want to get a little bit of redemption going, head on over to betonline.ag. They have all the odds and props you could ever want. Vikings are plus one in this one. They are home underdogs. There is some somewhat of a, a black magic to that. Maybe you want to bet on the Vikings or bet against the Vikings. Hedge emotionally, whatever you want. You can bet on other sports as well. WNBA playoffs going on. You can bet on upcoming NBA or MLB or NHL futures, anything like that. You can find even your favorite Vegas casino games. Just log on, play a little blackjack. You can find all of that at betonline.ag. And if you're a new customer, it's free to sign up. And when you make your first deposit, you can get some free gambling money by entering promo code NFL100. NFL100, you get a 100% match on your first deposit. Whatever you put in, BetOnline just doubles it and dumps the free play money into your account. That is at betonline.ag, promo code NFL100. So in a similar vein, when I'm looking at somebody's defense, I'm looking at what's exploitable. Um, and I'm trying to figure out what would I suggest, right? And so the the Seahawks defense is the Pete Carroll cover three. He's going to be the last guy to move off of it. Way back in 2013, when they were the Legion of Booms, Pete Carroll ran this this cover three system that allowed him to put um, a lot of times it was Cam Chancellor in the box, a safety or a safety, any safety in the box to help with the run game. Nobody could get their run game going and they still had three deep defenders, which helped a lot against the pass game. And that's what made their defense so fearsome. Um, those things have been figured out and everybody's got their counters to them now. Um, and the Seahawks are now starting to move away a little. They're starting to do some more too high shells. They're starting to mix it up a little bit more. Um, it's about like where the Vikings defense was in say like 2018, like early 2018, kind of after they got beat by Doug Peterson's RPOs, but before Sean McVay exposed everything else about it, they're kind of in that spot right now. And there are a lot of ways uh, built into the Vikings offense to counter this because cover three is still the most common defense in the league, even though it's sort of outdated, it's still kind of the staple that everybody builds off of. Um, and so for the Vikings, a couple that I like, one is called Mills. So if you visualize three deep defenders in cover three and they all have, you know, one deep third of the field and kind of a zone like that, you can have two players run deep routes that attack the middle guy, usually the free safety. This would have been Earl Thomas back in the old Seahawks days. Um, it's, I think, Quandre Diggs now. So one runs a dig underneath, which is basically an in, but a really deep one. And the other one, usually the outermost one, will run a post. And those two routes are basically deep routes that attack the middle of the field. In cover three, the underneath defenders usually leave the middle of the field open, the middle underneath of the field open. That's one of the weak spots of cover three. Um, and so there will be a throwing lane there. You can throw from uh, the quarterback up through just the middle of those guys and uh, usually won't have a guy to get the, the, their hand on the ball. So you can usually fire one in. And what happens is the free safety kind of has to choose between coming forward and, and uh, getting the shallower or more intermediate dig route or backing off and covering the post. And sometimes when they back off and cover the post, you, you know, you run a good post and that guy still has a bunch of separation. Um, and the cornerback usually on that side will pass because it's an in-breaking route. He will pass that post off to the safety. Um, and that is essentially the point of the concept is to 
get the safety into conflict. Another one the Vikings really like is just curl flat. And that's exactly what it sounds like. One wide receiver runs a curl, another wide receiver or a slot receiver, tight end, running back, or somebody will do a flat route and kind of be more of a check down option. And usually you have a curl going to the middle, and then you have the same concept mirrored um, on the other side. So you'll end up with three curl routes, all at the same part of the field, one on the left, one in the middle, one on the right. And that puts everybody into conflict really weirdly. If the two linebackers who are leaving that middle of the field open, well, if one of them decides to crash in and take that middle curl, who is the first read on the play, um, then that means there will only be one guy on his side of the field that has to choose between the other curl route on the left or between running up and playing the flat route. So usually what will happen is that guy will take the curl route deeper on the left and basically say, okay, yeah, you can check down. We're, We're okay with that. But, I mean, if Dalvin Cook plays, that guy's Dalvin Cook, and now you've given the ball to Dalvin Cook in space, potentially with a blocker in front of him or one man to beat. You'll kind of take that part of it as well. Those are a couple of really, really common cover three beaters. Now, that is the most basic stuff in the world, um, and everybody knows that those concepts are coming, and everybody has their counters and the ways that they, they like to play it, and that's where you kind of get this give-and-take chess match. But it should be noted that these are things installed in the Vikings playbook that they are very, very comfortable with, that are staples of their offense, and it just so happens that staples of their offense stress out the Seattle defense. And in the last few matchups, even though the Vikings have lost, Seattle's defense has been stressed and they've been able to put up points on Seattle's defense. And Seattle's defense isn't what it used to be, um, but it still runs in a very similar way. And I think it's still vulnerable to similar stresses. There's also some opportunity for me on the outside with Trey Flowers. He has had a tough go of it these last couple weeks, and he's kind of been a public enemy number one for the Seattle Seahawks. And they are starting to, I think, hide him a little bit in this cover three. If you want to hide a corner in cover three, you have them pass more stuff off, right? Ask them to cover fewer things. Hey, you only cover if it's just a straight up go route. They can now play a technique that does less guessing. They can play a technique that commits fully to the go. And if it's not a go, that's okay. Somebody else will pick it up. So I can kind of safely play a technique and I can do less trying to read the play. It's an easier assignment and I can probably... uh, do that a little bit better. That's how you hide a cornerback that's not doing as well. Um, and a lot of the same principles apply. You know, what the difference between what the Vikings are doing with Patrick Peterson and what the Cardinals did with Patrick Peterson, they are, aren't asking Patrick, Patrick Peterson to c- cover every single thing. He passes some stuff off. Um, and that, I think, helps him, you know, be him, as he puts it. So they're doing that with Trey Flowers. And that means that you can attack the middle of the field with concepts and uh, high-low stresses over the middle. Things uh, like driver levels concepts where you have a shallow route and a deeper or or an intermediate route or maybe even a deep intermediate and shallow route all over the middle of the field. And they're just not going to have enough defenders um, because of the, the coverage shells that they run. And all of this stuff is in the Vikings playbook. It's stuff that they have access to. Um, And the last thing that I want to say is that I want to get one-on-ones with those struggling corners. And Corbin talked about the cornerbacks. They are struggling. Um, The the secondary is having a a much rougher go of it than their front is right now. And so what I want to do is I want to condense the formation. I want to get the whole defense packed into one little area, except I'll I'll split Justin Jefferson out wide. And he'll have a one-on-one with whoever they split out there. And then I'm throwing that ball deep. And I want that kind of thing to happen against the Seahawks. I think we can do it. I really do. Vikings are plus one. I'm taking them. I haven't figured out what the bunnies are taking yet. Watch Twitter for that. Um, but I'm going to say Vikings plus one. And I, I, I say they cover that spread. Um, I'm feeling it. I believe I'm not. You're not going to get me to stop believing. You got to work harder than that.
I've got a strong soul that's ready to be hurt again. <laughs> so I will see you all on Monday. Uh, whatever happens, we'll be there to pick up the pieces. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Check out the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. They're batting like 62% against the spread, which is an insane clip. So go get that advice. It is invaluable. You can find that just like you can find this show free on all platforms. And as always, Skull.